0: Hello, everyone. It's wonderful to have you all join us today. Our guest today is Amy Bilski. She is the founder and CEO of Ripple Effect. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about her and her background before we begin. Welcome, Amy. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. All right, so let's, let's tell everyone about you and Ripple Effect. Uh, Ripple Effect's a consulting uh, company with complex federal projects. Uh, that focus on strategy, technology, communications, policy, and health. Uh, Amy started the company in 2003 with five employees. Uh, You now boast over 200 team members. Uh, You are one of the 5,000 list of fastest growing companies. And this past year, uh, you were ranked as one of the highest scoring companies of the best and brightest companies to work for in the nation. Uh, You're also one of the best and brightest in wellness in the nation uh, and those honor fantastic workplace um, cultures and wellness solutions. Uh, Congratulations on that. Um, But here's what's cool about you, Amy. You started the company because there was too much emphasis on the technology, the solutions, the client side versus culture and how employees are treated. So I'm looking forward to learning more about that. Amy, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks for having me, and what what an
0: introduction. (laughs) (laughs) You earned it. You earned it. This is not a time to be humble. We want to borrow and steal all of your greatness. (laughs) Uh, So for those that don't know, tell us a little bit more about Ripple Effect. Um, Go in detail on, on what you do. I know your tagline is improving the health and safety and prosperity of the nation. That's very powerful. Tell us more about that.
1: So we are a federal contractor so most of our work is with the federal government and we are hired for our ability to ability to execute so you know that our tagline work smarter perform better the clients trust us to get it done and get it done right um our workforce we have a very strong sme workforce lots of phds and master's level folks that are are credentialed in health and science which allows us to execute that work but I think what makes us unique is they also are trained in communications, project management, policy, and technology, so they're able to bring that multidisciplinary expertise to our work. Uh, I think the other reason clients hire us is because of our operational excellence. We we That doing things right is built on a lot of repeatable processes that we apply to our work. That is, I think, the
0: magic in what we do. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, as I mentioned, um, culture is important to you. It starts at the top. Uh, tell us more about your culture and what specifically is your role as the founder and CEO uh, related to culture um, and what can we learn from you?
1: I think you mentioned earlier, you know, the reason I started the company to begin with is because I saw the opportunity that people could be treated differently you know, show them that they are appreciated and giving them flexibility. As a parent and um, a woman, I really understand how flexibility makes, you know, performing at work, is. it's very helpful for performing at work because I can manage my life and personal demands but also my work demands. We have built flexibility into all of our policies at work and I personally am transparent about, you know, Demonstrating that at the workplace by showing things on my calendar that I have personal responsibilities, and um, adding a note to my e- email signature that says, "I have sent this at an email at a time that works for me. Please respond at a time that works for you." So, you know, this is built into everything that we do. This kind of concept of flexibility.
0: And how was it before you started your company? Was it very militant? You you couldn't leave in your industry. Well, definitely,
1: 20 years ago, before I started Ripple Effect, you know, the idea is that you went to work at the same time every day, you left at the same time every day. So, the idea of remote work, hybrid work, uh, variable schedules, uh, you know, getting permission off to you know go to a soccer game or deal with a family like dealing with a family emergency. We all have uh, washers and dryers that need to be replaced, things like that. That was not the norm. And so, really, when I started Ripple Effect, I made all those things reasonable. There's a way we can both have our personal life
0: and our work life work together and uh, get a lot of great things done. Well, 20 years ago, that was cutting edge. I, yeah. I think companies are catching up to that now. Um, but back then, wow, right? I, I 20 years ago, I want to work for you for sure. For sure. Well, and we've had 20 years to really figure out how to
1: do that because there's still a the, um, you know, accountability. You have to have account- accountability for getting the work done and making sure that you're meeting your deadlines, but you can still have
0: flexibility. All right. Let's swim in your culture uh, for a minute here. Tell us more about your traditions, your rituals, your corporate habits, uh, fun activities, the employee experience, um, things that you do to reinforce engagement of team members. Uh, tell us more in detail about that, please
1: well i i really want people to have a positive work experience and i think people need to hear that they're appreciated so uh, some of our rituals are around the appreciation we have a peer-to-peer micro bonus um, that we use where people can say thanks for helping me last night or you know great job on this and they can give each other small um tokens we call bananas (laughs) So people give each other bananas and they can turn those in for like starbucks gifts card gift cards or to donate to a charity um we also have annual awards which is another thing that we do to appreciate people for demonstrating our core values and we have a centralized kudos system that we capture quotes from clients and partners so and that gets broadcast over the whole company so we can all celebrate a job well done so those are some of the kind of appreciation rituals Um, I think um, pre-pandemic, we were uh, hybrid already, but after the pandemic, it became even more remote first. And we're trying to find that balance of how we have fun together and we're creating new rituals uh, and uh, we've been experimenting with hybrid events. So the people who are in state and local all come to our headquarters and the remote, pe- we've found ways to engage the remote folks too in the same event. So we've had a mystery party, an ugly sweater competition and a cookie recipe competition. And of course, Taco Tuesday was the most, um, the favorite favorite event. Everyone loves Taco Tuesday, but I think this you know, hybrid
0: interaction has been very cool. Yeah, pre-pandemic, yeah, all of the food activities, in-person food activities were always the highest scoring as far as employee engagement goes. But um, tell us a little bit more about this hybrid challenge. You're not the only CEO going through this. There's What we're hearing is, is there's the in-person culture and the hybrid culture and the 100% remote employees culture. And it's almost like three different positions. We're, we're hearing um, HR teams now are putting together digital engagement uh, team members and what have you. Um, I, I'm sure there's others out there that are also going through this challenge. Um, where are you in the process and where do you see that going?
1: Yeah, we're trying to break down the barriers between that that there's different classes of people, that it's all one seamless engagement so that you feel as engaged if you're fully remote as you do if you're in person most of the time. So that is a hard challenge, but that's where we see the future yeah. is, is to make that experience seamless and that there isn't these different classes of folks. Um, yeah. I think some of these events is how we're doing it. You know, we're making the remote experience like, for example, our annual event this year, where we have our annual award ceremony. We had um, a trivia during the beginning session. In the beginning of the session, we had people weighing in from remote and people in the room all uh, guessing the answers. So those are just small ways that the people online feel as engaged as the people in the room and we were laughing at the answers of the people online so it really (laughs) crossed those boundaries so we're we're trying but it's definitely going to take some figuring out
0: yeah it's going to take some figuring out for everybody and and we'll just have to keep sharing best practices until uh until it's all smooth (laughs) Um, the past three years have been a challenge for for most leaders um, we're, we're quote unquote through it now. I don't knock on wood, you know, yes. uh, but everybody has a pandemic <laughs> story. Um, we almost need to brag about those pandemic stories because we did get through a lot, yes. um, share your pandemic success story. What was your biggest challenge and how did you overcome it? It's, I think it's really important to document this for future generations and to remember this five years from now on how to be cutting edge uh, without a crisis, right? I think, you know, I think our first success is that we were
1: somewhat prepared for the pandemic. We were already a paperless office and we were used to hybrid work. So in that respect, the transition was pretty seamless. So I think I consider that our first success. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, one of the other challenges was that the rules were changing almost daily, you know, the state rules, the local rules, the federal rules. And there was so much information coming at us. And I think we as an organization were able to lean into our strengths because that's literally what we do for our clients. We read and interpret regulations and we develop communications. So leaning into those strengths, we were able to navigate all these policy changes pretty seamlessly and communicate with our staff because the, the staff, you know, businesses are becoming the hub of how staff feel connected in their communities and we were able to give them some give them clear information and succinct information and navigate through all the confusion and it really created a sense of calm in a time that was very challenging so mm-hmm. i think leaning into those strengths was a was kind of our success story because we were able to keep our employees informed connected and supported
0: and that's a common theme, Amy, from the CEOs that I've been talking to is we had this already and we had um, a core fiber, whether it's the culture or the hybrid work, or you, you had your strengths in playing into those strengths. Um, so that's, if, if someone's a new um, uh, CEO or, or on a, this journey, that I guess that's the lesson is you have to do the work before the crisis. Yes. Uh, and then lean into it, right? Um, So let's talk about your success journey. Um, Starting a business, being a mom, it's hard work, hard work, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, What lessons did you personally learn along the way, as far as creating a successful business? You're one of the fastest growing companies in the nation. You got the best and brightest designation. Um, if there is another CEO who's thinking about going through this similar path or just starting their career, what would you share with them to help them on their journey? I think, you
1: know, the biggest thing I have learned is the power of flexibility and resilience. Okay. I mean, especially after this pandemic, you, you know, when you start a business, you have to be prepared to hear no frequently and not let it stop you. Um we have focused a lot on always having a plan a a b a c (laughs) so when things don't go the direction we think they're going to go we're flexible enough to pivot i think organizations that are or people who are too rigid or inflexible especially in the past couple of years that it hasn't helped them so you know learn from our mistakes fail forward being prepared to do new things but but this resilience and perseverance has definitely played a big role in our success today
0: yeah, and and I like to say, and, and you mentioned, you touched upon this, I like to say no is temporary. No is in the context of how you asked it. Yes. Uh, right? So that whole tenacity of going back and saying, okay, well, you said no for this, but if we changed it, is that now a yes, right? Um, a lot of, I think a lot of young executives don't know that, they they get the email or whatever it may be and they get a no and they go off um, so that's really good advice
1: yeah I think you know for us in government contracting a lot of that is about winning contracts and there have been a few contracts we lost we haven't won the first time it was a new opportunity but we got such great feedback from our proposal that the next time around we were prepared and we won so it's that learning from your nose I think is also important
0: learning from your nose. That's that's my takeaway (laughs) from today's (laughs) discussion. Uh, Let's talk about workplace wellness. So much is going on uh, as it relates to uh, stress, uh, workloads. Uh, We have the baby boomers getting into retirement. Some of them are pushed into early retirement because they're like, yeah, I've already been through the journey. Yeah, I'm going to sit this pandemic out, have fun. (laughs) Um, uh, there's, there's a lot of growth in our businesses right now, and um, the workloads are, are pretty intense. Um, so there's all kinds of things related to wellness. There's financial wellness, there's mental health, there's physical wellness. Um, I know it's important to you, and I know that you do a lot in the health space. Can you talk to us about what your thoughts are on employee uh, wellness in the workplace?
1: Well, when you do health for a living, there's no one more passionate than your employees about health and wellness, so I think they have a lot to play a lot of part to play in the fact that we are the best and brightest in wellness because <laughs> they're passionate. but I also think you know we've talked a lot about flexibility that flexibility plays a key in the health and wellness of the company, and it's really infused into all of our policies. Uh, a couple of specifics. For example, a couple of years ago, we decided to make all of our holidays to be um, uh, that they were flexible, so that people could take their holidays whenever they wanted. That as they were accrued, they could take them anytime during the year. Uh, another thing that we do is, you know, to make PTO really a flexible endeavor. You, we have built into our PTO system that people identify who their backups are, so we still have the accountability of who's going to do the work. But it allows people to think and plan ahead for their time off so that they make sure it's time off and that they have someone right. we can call. So it's truly a disconnected time. But similarly, some people like to stay connected and they have that option, too. So as you can hear, it's like having options, have it, giving people the ability to choose their own adventure in mm-hmm. the work situation so that they can, you know, Exercise during lunch and that they can, you know, leave early to be with their family. All those things are really important to us for health and well being.
0: And the underlying tone and flexibility, Amy, which I haven't heard this word, but it's exuding from you, is trust. You trust your employees to make those decisions. You're treating them like the smart adults that they are. You trust that the work's going to get done. So I think that's the underlying. Thought behind flexibility um, and free will of your team is that you trust them. Yeah, and, and I think them. I think trust is
1: also supported with process because you know if you people don't know what they're expected to do, that trust can fall through the cracks because um, people aren't meeting each other's expectations or don't know what's going on. It's it's I know that this is the activity I need to do and how to you know, check the box and be successful in this activity. So I can be left on my own to accomplish it because I've had training. Someone's told me what I'm expected to do. Someone's trained me, you know, mentored me, all those things. I think that that is part of the trust factor.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Well said. All right. From a business perspective, what keeps you up at night? What's your greatest woe right now? (laughs) I think probably like most CEOs,
1: the economy is keeping me up at night. (laughs) Our word. <laughs> yes, I mean costs are skyrocketing. I, I feel like things are uncertain and in flux. Um, I think our flexible mindset is helping us a lot, but it is definitely unnerving. I'm not sure what direction things are going to go. Um, I think we could
0: all use a couple years of steady state. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and that's what, well said. We're hearing from many CEOs. We ask them what keeps them up at night. And right now it's just the inability to predict. Yes. So the economy, you know, what I call the the crystal ball. You can't, the KPIs, the metrics, they're all kind of topsy-turvy, all the change. The, the ground hasn't settled yet and we still have change coming. Um Yeah. Yeah, the the R word. We don't say the R word out loud, but um, <laughs> being talked about. <laughs> um, also, from a business perspective, um, reflect back on your career as the CEO. What was your defining moment? I think this year was really
1: a defining moment for me when I realized it was our 20th anniversary. I used used to tell my husband, and he he used to laugh at me all the time. I was like, we have a logo. We're a real company. We have an office. We're a real company. And despite our success, I think mentally sometimes, I was reluctant to accept it. But this year, we're celebrating our 20th anniversary, and I realized we've got this. We're a great company with great employees and great work, and um, I really have a renewed sense of confidence as a CEO and in this
0: company and all the things that we can do for our customers. Yeah. Well, the data proves it. So you have the data, you have the knowledge. Um, Sometimes we as CEOs uh, have this imposter, like, how this happened. It was magic. No, it was hard work. It was hard work. Yes, we're all real companies, people. What we like to do on this program, because so many times team members and or the community judges CEOs by the title and the position, and that comes before um, the human, right? So uh, let's talk about you as a human and uh, learn a little bit more about Amy. Uh, I heard that you like to read, like really like to read, especially when you go on vacation. Tell us about that.
1: Um, I love reading books. I have read so many books um, and I like reading digital books. I bring my Kindle with me everywhere. Uh, I love, my favorite are books that turn in that are movies because I think the book is always better than the movie, but I also like science fiction and fantasy and business books.
0: Okay, So, uh, so fiction and business books. Um, uh, is it true that when you go on vacation, you read 20 bucks during your vacation? Absolutely, wow. that, that's my best time. <laughs> wow, wow, <laughs> that's great, that's great. Um, I also heard that you have a black belt. Tell us more about that journey. Yes, I'm a
1: third degree black belt in Taijitsu, and I have been training for about 12 years. And I love the discipline and respect. And I think playing with swords is also cool. So, (laughs) um, I did it with my whole family. My children both trained and my husband trained. So it was really a family uh, way that we could bond together. How did you discover it? I was looking for a way to get my youngest daughter out of her shell. She was very shy and it just really was a good good way to to teach her really good things about discipline and respect but also get exercise and do something with her mom oh that's great that's great and is she still practicing she is gonna graduate from college next week <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, wow so right now she's away at college so <laughs> oh, that's, great. that's great um So when you start your day, do you have a ritual? Is there something you always do when you first start your day? Well, I am
1: a morning person. Some people say my morning is people's sleep. Like I'm really early in the morning and I love (laughs) tackling hard and complex things in the morning. I find that it's my best time of day.
0: What time do you wake up? Sometimes earlier. (laughs) So you get a couple hours in before the rest of us are even functioning. Yes. And it is good because it
1: is my quiet time to think about hard things and not have any interruptions.
0: Um, Do you have any pet peeves, Amy? Uh,
1: I would say my biggest pet peeve is really when people are struggling and they don't ask for help. Mm. They hide it. Yes. The
0: lack of transparency, right? Yeah. I don't
1: want people people to struggle. I want them to to
0: ask for help. As a successful business founder and CEO, 20 years in, mother, um, how do you define happiness? I think for
1: me, being able to contribute your talents to the world is really what brings me joy and how I define happiness being able to do the things that I'm good at and
0: help and and contribute. Wonderful, wonderful. So it's about others, sharing knowledge with others. That's that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for all that you do. We will continue to follow you, Amy, and Ripple Effect, and all of your best practices. We're always publishing best practices. We're going to steal and borrow and and adopt because that makes us all stronger and keeps us all sharp, right? Um, Congratulations on all your success and keep shining bright.
1: Thanks for having me today. This is
0: great.